Father, we just come to you, Father, this morning, and we just want to thank you. We just want to thank you, Father, that in spite of all the confusion around in the world, you have given us your Son. You have given us your Word, and you have given us your Spirit, and you have given us the Church, that there should be no confusion in our lives. That in the midst of this confusion, as we sang over and over today, you are the rock. Therefore, we will not be shaken. Our lives are not built on the passing fancies of this world. But Father, we are building it on the unshakable rock, Christ Jesus and his eternal word of master. So today, even as we come again to your ministry of your word, we surrender our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our entire being. We put aside everything that distracts us from your voice. And we pray, Lord, you speak to us. You speak to us. Help us to hear your voice. And let your voice and that word bring change in our lives, Lord. Speak, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. In John chapter 14, verse 6, that's what we looked primarily on Wednesday. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Like I told you, remember when you read in English, if you, if you, if you don't have your right intonation, you can change the meaning. Okay, the meaning changes. If you want to get the actual meaning of this particular sentence, you cannot read it out flat. You have to read it like this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because there are other ways, other truths. A lot of people who offer other kinds of life. And there are other fathers. Okay? So that term, the, is important. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the father. The father. Are there. Because even the devil is a father. Okay? All the statements that, statements that Jesus probably ever made, this must be the most controversial and the most troubling. Controversial for the world and also troubling for Christians. And for those Christians who are troubled, because this causes a lot of churning inside, because unless you tackle with this, you cannot go forward in our relationship with God. And the most troubling part of this is the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. Jesus is not saying that God is truthful. All gods are truthful somewhere or other. They lie too. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the truth. Okay. And we saw on Wednesday, towards the end of the message, how this one thing affects everybody, everybody in the world and everybody within every church. This one facet of God's character or his being. It's not just part of his character. God is truth. 
affects everybody. In Isaiah 59 and verse 14, justice is turned back, righteousness stands far off, truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. These are all the things every human being is crying out for. Lord, justice! I want justice! In every situation, everybody is actually looking for justice. Everybody wants to be acknowledged that he or she is Righteous. And everybody wants the other person to be fair to you or to me. But God says all this cry in your life can never be satisfied as long as truth is fallen in your life. If truth is fallen in the street, everything in God's kingdom comes to a standstill. Righteousness, justice is turned back. It turns back. God wants to be just towards you, but when he sees the lie in your life, he turns back. It's a lie. Until truth is restored, justice cannot come into your life. Righteousness stands far off. God wants to declare you righteous. God wants you to grow in your righteousness, but he's standing far off. Simply because what? In Hindi, how do we say? Bazar mein sachai girpade. Truth has fallen in the street. And God says, I know. You want life to be fair to you and you want to be fair to others. But you see what is happening everywhere? He says, truth, unless truth stands up in our lives, in every area, that is basically salvation. The progress in salvation is, is truth standing up. You know, Pilate asked this question, what is truth? What is truth? It's a very interesting question, what is truth? Everybody is asking in India and in US, what is truth? Because we have, it's kind of similar scenarios which has caught the public imagination in newspapers. In India, you have a bishop who is being accused of something. And it's there in all the news, not just in India, in BBC, CNN, Fox, everywhere, because he's the first bishop in India to be arrested. Okay? So it's all over the news. He's accused of rape, whatever. And then you have this drama going on in the American Senate and elsewhere over this news. It's not been confirmed. I don't know whether he'll be get confirmed. Justice Kavanaugh, who also out of the blue, somebody came saying 36 years ago, he did this to me. The question is, what is the truth? Let me tell you to the church. First, don't uh, just shoot your opinion in the public place. Because we don't know the truth. There is something which is called the due process of law. Okay? What happens today is, it's not the courts that decide, it's the newspapers that decide somebody is guilty or innocent. The presumption of law is that everybody is presumed innocent until he has been proved guilty. So you neither say this bishop or that other person is guilty or the accusers are false until the courts decide it. And it's not going to happen in this life because everything can be manipulated but there is another court. Nothing will be manipulated. So the actual truth of everything, we'll only know that day. 
Because now, we know from the Bible thousands years ago, from Ahab's time or before that time, you know, Jezebel could have false witnesses who spoke the truth and got an innocent man stoned. Today with the technology, they can do anything. They can take an absolutely innocent man and make him guilty and have absolute evidence and be proven in the court. So you can believe nothing who is innocent, who is guilty. You cannot. The most innocent man who never sinned in thought, in word, in life was pronounced guilty in a kangaroo court in the darkness of the night and he was sentenced to be crucified. Okay? So... Why we say is that that is what scripture actually means, do not judge. Because we are making judgments when we don't have access to all the truth. So Pilate asked these questions, what is the truth? When you are sworn in, in the court to give your testimony, you abroad we see it in movies, you have to swear by your whatever holy book and say, I swear to say nothing. But the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So you cannot live without truth. John 18, verse 37 and 38, this was the encounter. So Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Are you a king? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out. Okay. The Bible is full of encounters of people with truth. Listen to Jesus. Okay. Let's, let's connect a few things before we get into the meat of the word. In John chapter 8 verse 30 to 32. And he spoke these words and many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Jesus says, to know the truth, you need to abide in my word. Because my word is the truth. Abide means to stay, to dwell, not to flip through. He says, if you live in my word, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And in verse 36, and you shall know the truth, and therefore if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So he brings the word, he brings the Son, he puts it all together. In John 16 and verse 13, he says now, however when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit, he says, when he comes, he is the spirit of truth. He will guide you to all truth. So he brings his word. He brings himself as the son. He brings the Holy Spirit, puts it all across the main facet of the character is truth. And in John 17 and verse 17, scripture says, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. We are constantly being set apart when you hear, when you believe, when you obey. You are being set apart by the truth. Set apart 
by the truth. Okay, being set apart for a holy use. God is setting you apart for a holy use. You may not even understand that holy use on earth, but you are being set apart for a holy use in heaven. Because you may say, nobody sees me. Make All you are maybe doing is being on your knees and being praying and being faithful and says, nobody sees my work. But you are actually practicing and being sanctified by the truth and you do not realize in heaven, God will say, I saw your sanctification. You have been set apart for eternity for a holy use. Okay, that's why we have all these pictures in the Old Testament and the New Testament, what truth does. So Jesus connects truth to everything, to freedom, to liberty, to life, to sanctification, to judgment, to righteousness, to equity, to salvation, everything, even salvation. We looked in terms of righteousness, but salvation begins with truth. In John, James chapter 118, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. And all of our struggles are connected with truth. Okay, all connected. He brought, that is why we need to understand, we were born again by truth. It's the word of truth. We'll come back to that too, maybe as an aside later. And like I said, all of our struggles are connected with truth. On the contrary, what we have is information. A lot of information, not necessarily truth. And often information works against the truth. Truth and information are not the same. Often not the same. One of the stunning statements that Jesus makes is connected with the first words we looked is, apart from Jesus, I will never know the truth. If I don't have Jesus, I cannot know truth. When Jesus says, I am the light, the implication is, apart from me, I will go through my entire life in darkness. And I may not be aware of it. Because he is the light. He is not saying, I will show you the light. He is saying, I am the light. And if he is the light, and I don't have that light, I could go through my entire life in darkness and not even aware of it. In the same way, if I do not know him as the truth, my entire life could be a lie. I am not even aware of it. Because I need truth to make choices, to make judgments. And if I don't have the truth, my choices are based on falsehood and has Lies or assumptions. That's why you see in medical science. In old days when we were ill, when we went to the doctor, he checked our pulse and he looked into our eyes and he said, stick out your tongue. And he gave his medicine. And we usually became well very fast. Today because of medical advancement, they don't check your pulse, they look at your tongue, they look at your eyes. They will say, scan this, scan this, scan this, scan this, scan this, scan this. Then they look at all these reports and give you the same medicine which I, my doctor gave to me by looking at my tongue. But basically what they are saying, we don't want to make a presumption, we don't want to make an assumption because with all this technology we can actually know the truth about your condition. Basically what they are supposedly be doing. So understand. 
why we need truth to live in second corinthians 13 and verse 8 scripture says we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth when you are born of the truth please remember this we can do nothing that's why when we go against the truth we are miserable Well, the world is not miserable. We are miserable. If you are born of the truth, when you go against the truth, you are miserable. You can hide it from man. You cannot hide it from God. We cannot do. We can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Because the problem is, whatever we say or do, truth may fall on the street, but truth refuses to go away. It cannot be silenced. and it does not change that's our irritation i wish truth would change and look a little like me truth doesn't change it always looks like him in isaiah 65 and verse 16 scripture says so that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the god of truth what is god god is the god of truth and you swears in the earth shall swear by the god of truth god is called the god of truth truth is his nature his personality his character that is what makes him true and faithful and just and righteous always why is god just always we are not why is god righteous always we are not why is god fair always we are not why because he is truth and god is trying to make us in the image of his son and he says one day when you become truth all your actions will be righteous all will be just and all will be fair and then if you come through that process you can judge you can rule so understand that this is all got to do not only with now but also with eternity it is the very fact that god is truth that makes jesus the same yesterday today and forever because truth does not change we sang today right about the rock what makes him the rock the unshakable rock that endures forever i say 26 verse 4 says trust in the lord forever in the lord his everlasting strength the other version will say he is he is a rock he is everlasting and we always look for that constants in our life something that doesn't change and god says i don't change james chapter 1 and verse 17 says he does not change and therefore every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation of shadow god does not change like the shadows people misapply this scripture but that's you have to look at it. there is no shadow of turning with god god never changes he is a constant so when you ask something according to the will of god scripture says in one john you can be absolutely sure you will get it because there is no change he has no mood swings he has no mood swings so james john will say if you you have we have this confidence that if we ask according to you know god's will and you ask according to god's will you know that you will receive it by because there is no shadow of turning with him so the question here is how do we know god's truth 
how do we tackle sunday wednesday we said how do we handle this truth okay that's the question can we handle truth do we fight it or do we surrender to it john the baptist spoke to herodias and herod the truth in mark chapter 6 for herod himself had sent and laid hold of john and bound him in prison for the sake of herodias his brother philip's wife for he had married her because john had said to herodias it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife what he spoke was the truth herod took his brother's wife killed his brother i don't know whether he killed him or whether he was still alive and he married her forcefully because he had the power john spoke the truth Did Herodias like the truth? No. What does Scripture say? Scripture says Herodias was mad. It says she decided to finish him off. Okay, that's what verse nineteen will say. Can you have it? Yeah. Therefore, Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. And when she got the chance, she killed him. So the question is, she killed John the Baptist, but could she kill the truth? Did the situation change? No. Only the voice that spoke the truth was silenced. Truth was never silenced. She still has another man. It did not make her righteous. She still still stood condemned by the truth, because truth cannot be silenced. If you shut the voice of truth, it doesn't make you righteous. It doesn't change your situation. you are still condemned by the very truth that you shut up we saw in john chapter 18 and verse 37 and 38 pilate and jesus right john chapter 18 37 and 38 pilate says what is truth okay he says what is truth and i want to look at what happens over there pilate said unto him what is truth and what did you do this scripture records very carefully after he said this he went out meaning he did not wait for a response so if you dismiss truth can truth be dismissed you dismiss truth lot of people are very flippant with truth they dismiss it ah these preachers they always talk like that he walks away but truth cannot be dismissed it doesn't go away because truth is a person it's the very person of god in israel's history prophets of god were killed because they dared to be a witness of the truth that's what jesus said i came into the world that i should bear witness not only am i the truth i'm going to come and be a witness of the truth i want to show you what truth looks like i'm going to be the witness of truth and all the prophets of israel were killed because they were a witness of the truth they spoke what god told them to speak therefore they were killed jesus told pilate something powerful and he's still telling us today it's powerful and it is scary he said everyone that is off the truth hears my voice so the question is are you off the truth everyone who is of the truth that's what james is saying we were born of the word of truth if you are born of the word of truth if you are of the truth you will hear 
my voice. You hear my voice. It's a very scary thing. That's why we have to always see that voice is not silenced in our lives because we are of the truth and we have to hear his voice. And that is the scary part. Who is of truth hears my voice. Why? Truth is acceptable only to those who are born of truth. The others are comfortable with a lie. Those who are born of truth are the only ones who can accept the truth. Only those who are born of truth can actually start searching for truth to be truthful in every area. That is the biggest issue with the modern day world, especially connected with salvation. In modern day salvation, why it has no effect at all and churches don't change, people don't change, therefore the society doesn't change is because all we are told is to repeat a prayer. They never tell you to repent. Repentance is connected with truth. This is the truth of who you are and this is who God is and you have to deal with that truth. When you don't have to deal with that truth and say, just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved, you are thinking, I don't need to change. When I die, I go to heaven. But that's not salvation. From the first day when they spoke, scripture says they were cut to the heart and asked, what should we do? Did you see how the enemy has manipulated God's most wonderful gift of salvation and making it into something which doesn't save man? Because unless you and I have an encounter with truth, who God is and who I am, and we cry out, we haven't believed. Because modern day salvation, there is no repentance involved. There is no change of heart. There is no change of mind. And there is no change of life. Because this change is towards what? To the truth of who Jesus is. Instead, like Wednesday, we saw in detail, like Adam and Eve, we create our own narrative. Fig leaves. You look good. I am okay. You are okay. And until God comes into the picture, when God comes into the picture, even though you are dressed, you run because your covering doesn't cover you from his eyes. Because scripture says in Hebrews 4.12, everything in his universe is naked before his eyes. You are absolutely comfortable in your truth until truth appears. And we said about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was absolutely comfortable in his truth, his life, his righteousness until he heard Jesus. And when he heard Jesus, he was startled because this is a man who was actually searching for truth. So when he encountered Jesus, he knew there's something wrong with my life. So what I am telling is that if you are not troubled by truth, either you are not saved or you are off the way. And what do we do? We create our own truth. What is the term which I told you about that? Relative truths. Universities teach that today, but it started in the garden. That's how you relate. Because no one can live without truth because God made us in his image and one of his primary facets of his image is truth. So if we don't have his truth, we create our own truth. So Adam, did you eat? Did you do what I told you not to do? Immediate answer. The woman, you created, she gave me, I ate. Everything is factually right. Factually right. You created her, she gave it to me, 
I ate. Factually right. Then why are you hiding? If your facts is truth, why are you hiding? Because truth sets you free, right? You don't have to hide. See, facts don't save you. Only truth does. And woman, what about you? The serpent deceived me. Okay, the serpent deceived you. Is it true? Absolutely. Then why are you hiding? We need to understand. Facts don't save us. Only truth saves us. Okay? Today I'm going to teach young ones. Listen carefully. Older ones also. So we we looked at how we create our own truths and it started from there and now it has become an epidemic in the world and in the church. So today in terms of truth, we're looking at truth. Let's divide people into two categories. Okay? Or truth also into two categories. Not the truth of God, truth as we see it. Okay, men are all sitting here. I'm ignoring the women sitting here, but the men are sitting here. So this we will call the objective truth, which is true. This we call the women sitting here as the subjective truth. Okay? So we will call Peter is sitting over here. Okay, so we'll call Peter has today's bakra because he's sitting in the front. Mr. Objective Truth, Mr. Peter. And then, Harleen, okay, no, honey? Harleen is sitting over there as Miss Objective Truth. Mr. Objective Truth, Peter believes that truth can be and often is separate from what he feels. Since feelings change or can be misleading. Therefore, there must be an objective standard Outside of himself to determine what is true. That is Mr. Objective Truth. It is, I see this, I feel this, I'm hearing this, but I am not the truth. There must be a standard outside of me which should determine what I feel is true or not. On the other side, I have we have Miss Subjective Truth. Who believes truth is based on what he or she feels. On the other hand, in other words, if she or he feels something is true, it is true. It's true, period. You have to hear the, 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 you can't believe these guys are up there, senate, not guys, ladies and guys, senators. I believe the woman is telling the truth. I believe she's, I mean, even that woman does not remember where it happened, which house it happened, who were the people. She has no memory. But these people say, we believe she's saying the truth. Because they feel. Therefore, instead of having an objective standard of what is true, he or she has a subjective standard based on what he or she feels. That's how the enemy deceives people. And look at how the deception took place in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. When the woman saw the tree was good for the food, that was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took off its fruit and ate. Everything is subjective. She felt. 
Et in Genesis 2, 17, this is what God said. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. So there is an objective standard which is spoken by God and his word never changes. Heaven and earth will pass away and he says, if you eat, you will die. Then this devil comes and turns into this subjective and he listens to that voice. And when suddenly when she listens to that voice, when she looks at the very thing that is going to kill her, it looks good. It looks good. She feels it is good. How can something that looks so good be so bad? God said, and whatever he says is true. He is the truth. He never changes. Therefore, truth never changes. That's how deception takes place. Because we become subjective in our analysis of truth instead of being objective in our analysis of truth. In First Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 to 14, God puts this general, don't get mad with me. If you're mad, get mad with God. Okay? Don't get mad with me. Okay? In what I, mean, I also have noticed that it's very interesting. If I teach the same things in the countryside, in the villages, these things, Connected with truth, the men are mad and the women are happy. In the cities when I teach, the men are happy and the women are mad. And I don't know why. Let women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, not to usurp authority over man, but to be in silence. And God doesn't stop over there and say, hey, I don't like women. I don't like women. God is saying, I don't like, so I'm going to have a law for women. Shut up. Don't open your mouth. That's not what God is saying. He gives us the reason. The reason is in verse 13. Yeah. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived. The woman was deceived. Why would the woman get deceived? Because she let her emotions go before her reason. That's the only reason. He's, when Peter uses the term, a woman is a weaker vessel, he's not talking about her strength. You don't want to tackle with those female marines in the U.S. Army. It's not talking about strength. It is talking about her emotions. Even the female marine in the U.S. Army, when he, she goes through a monthly trouble, she also is cranky. Her strength doesn't help her then. Understand what God is talking. He says, I have made man this way. I have woman made the way. Here emotions will fluctuate over that. And when emotions are fluctuating, I don't want you in general principle taking a position of leadership which involves judgment and decision. That's all he's saying. And we get mad. This has got nothing to do with equality. This has got to do with equity. God says, I'm being fair. You are different, he's different. You are emotional, he's objective. You are subjective. And when decisions are made, I want people who are objective making decisions. Otherwise you will say, I feel it is true. And God says, feelings lie, honey. Are you getting it? That's all. So don't get mad with me, don't get mad with God. Because every judgment... You and I make every choice you and I make is a choice either for and by truth or for and by falsehood. Every judgment. It's either true 
or false. There is no third option. God's entire questionnaire in life is true or false. That's all. Take true or false, true or false, true or false. And when it comes to that, like we keep saying, emotions are excellent, servants, terrible, masters. That is why people who are subjective see a judgment based on truth and they see that judgment as a denial of them and not a denial of their actions. It happens with children. If you punish them, they immediately think, daddy, mommy doesn't love me. It's got nothing to do with that because they are subjective. Basically, the judgment is saying, I did not like your behavior. So let me give you examples. Mr. Subject, Objective, Peter. Miss Subjective, Harleen, is in the same room. We are all in the same room. Peter and Harleen, okay? Suddenly, I ask the question, what's the temperature of this room? Peter says, around 30 degrees. Harleen says, no, 27. Now, truth can't be both. So what do you need? Let us imagine, we take a thermometer. And I look in the thermometer and says, it says 28. And he immediately adjusts and says, yes, pastor, it is 28. And she says, no, I believe it is 27. And for me, it is 27. I don't care what you say. For me, it is 27. It is always 27. Have you seen people like that? This is a problem. This is the problem. So the Mr. Objective, it can be Miss Objective, you should all be objective, okay? Mr. Objective and Miss Objective is always in search of a constant in their life and aligning their life to it. While Mr. Subjective and Miss Subjective is going like the river to see who will feed my feelings. On a Sunday evening or a Sunday mo- Monday morning, I can watch on my laptop two large churches in US, full of people. In one church, the pastor is preaching out of his heart on fire. He's dressed soberly. He's preaching with fire, and the people are listening. Another, the pastor is dressed like a clown. He's also all agitated, and the people are jumping. Both are preaching from the same word, and I look at them. One is objective, the other is subjective. One is feeding their feelings, the other is speaking to their spirit. The problem is, if you feed from the pulpit only the feelings of people, you can never correct them. If you correct them, they will leave. So you have to keep on feeding. Yet, in our journey in salvation, nobody can survive without change. Because we have to change from our image to his image. Did you get the picture? Did you? So we understood this? If you are, each one knows, if you are more an emotional person, you are more susceptible to to deception. Whether it is anger or whatever. Range of emotions. One, 
anger, doubt to false compassion can put the entire system. You are more susceptible to deception. So God says, truth is not subjective. Truth has to be objective. And then once you know it is true, you put your feelings into it. See, in life, we cannot live without truth. And we need to be very, very sure what is true. Certain things are variable. You don't have to fight over it. Though people make it into culture wars. Let us imagine in my house, I and my wife are sitting and I say, Idli sambar is the best. My wife says, no, pasta is the best. Now you look, think about it. Isn't it idiotic to fight over something silly? Now the only possible way to come to a result is take a little of Idli and take a little of pasta and bring it in a dabba and give it to Tabitha and say, you do forensic science in your laboratory, you please do analysis on, give us all the breakup. And I come with the next day to win my argument and says, honey, see, this is what idli and sambar is, carbohydrates, calories, everything, cut off, look at your pasta, unhealthy. I won an argument, but I lost a person. Okay. This is how people win arguments. This, this, see, this is not the search of truth. All these culture wars are based on Indian culture, ancient culture. We had this Pushpakviman, so we in... Come on, yeah. One third of the population still doesn't have toilets and are talking about your ancient forefathers flew. What's the point? Can you fly? Have you been able to get one aircraft on your own up in the sky which doesn't fall? False narratives. Absolutely false narratives and false pride. You need to realize false narratives will form false pride. Okay. And the danger that is happening, I will tell you, when you look at this objective and subjective where God is talking about here, you come down, you come down, you come down. Today, what you are happening about culture is a feminization, I don't know whether it's a new word, if it is, hear it for the first time. Of culture. Meaning masculinity has been put down. Put down. We don't, we don't see, to, next Sunday you will get it in detail if God doesn't change the message, okay? You need to realize, you see this movement where men look more and more and more like women. Okay? And then women look like women and men. So we have to come to somewhere in the middle. But basically the agenda behind is this. Once masculinity has been put down, therefore there is a corresponding effect on truth because truth becomes more and more subjective. Are you getting it? So Mr. Subject Objective is slowly pushed out in contemporary culture and missubjective has taken over the high place in subjective culture. So you have to be very, very, very careful. I was 
I was watching and cracking up, watching all these old senators in the judicial committee. This lady has surfaced on the last minute out of nowhere, no proof, nothing. Yet they are very, very scared to say one word because you say one word, you will lose the election in November. Because they say the women's base and all the men supporting them will be energized and they will come in their thousands and vote them out. Yet, there is no objective analysis of the truth. Did you see a feminization of the entire culture? And when that happens, almost always the casualty is the truth. In most churches, the pastor can talk about wealth and health and this thing. But if he tells men, don't have long hair and tell women, grow your hair, they get upset. Well, one, that is one of the small, it shouldn't be upsetting you at all because anyway, whether you like it or not, one day all your hair will go. But can you say? Can you say? Because subjective, missubjective has now acquired power. Feelings have taken over. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, listen to God. Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Listen to what God is actually telling Cain. He's saying very nicely, okay? Son, in this situation, two of you are offering sacrifice. Two of you are offering sacrifice. One has brought one kind of sacrifice, the other has brought another kind of sacrifice. God received one, he did not receive the other. And you know God is not a respecter of persons. So look son, in this situation, only one thing is true. Don't look at Abel and what he did. Ask this question, what did he do that made me accept his sacrifice? What did he do that made his offering acceptable? God is not a respecter of persons. You getting it? But what happens in verse 8? Verse 8 says, Yeah. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that the brother rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Okay? Are you are you seeing something over here? Here is two people, both did something, one was accepted, the other was not accepted. When the other was not accepted, God intervenes and says, Hey, hey dude, it's got nothing to do with you. It's got to do with what you did. If you do exactly the way he did, you also will be accepted. But you are mad. You took the rejection of your work as the rejection of yourself and you turned around and killed your brother. Until down relationships break down, it's because of the same tendency that goes on. Why do relationships break down? Relationships break down because one party or both party is not willing to accept the truth. So to live together, what do we do? We quietly put truth at the back and what do we do? We compromise. Compromise. Jesus comes in the picture and he talks about salvation and he says, I have not come to bring peace. I have to come to bring a sword. Why? He says, truth will divide. And if you don't want division with truth, you don't have to accept truth. 
We compromise therefore. But what are we compromising on? We are compromising on truth. Therefore, what do we have? We have very shallow relationships at home. We have very shallow relationships at home. We have very shallow relationships at churches because truth is a taboo. Don't tell me what to do. Therefore, Jesus' prayer is, Father, sanctify them by their truth. Your word is truth. You're getting the picture? Now he's praying for believers. He's not praying for those who are unsaved. Listen to, I will put it across this example. You can use a ship or an aeroplane. Let's say a big ship is in the ocean and it is damaged in the ocean. Not very bad damage, but damaged. So it sends the SOS and other ships come in. The big barge comes in and it is slowly pulling the ship to the port. It reaches the port, the dock, and it is harbored and all the people are safe. Got it? Let me ask you this question. The ship is safe. But the ship is not sound. To get the ship sound, it may take a long time. It will demand cranes to come and lift it and repair all the damage until it is sound. You see, Jesus wants to make us safe and sound. When we repented and we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are safe. But we are not sound. We are not sound yet. We haven't left planet earth yet. Justification is bringing us to safety. Sanctification is making a person sound. And sanctification can never take place unless we are open to handling truth. And truth as God. And God has truth. We hate truth. Because truth is bitter. We hate it. We, I'm just putting everyone, including me into that generally. Because it exposes us. And reveals who we really are. We are like Saul, not like David. Shh, shh, don't tell anybody. The kingdom has been taken away from me. Don't tell me. Rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. I am stubborn and under the influence. Don't let anybody know. Just stand by me, please, please, please. Samuel, please don't expose me, please. Please, please. Because if you speak, they will believe. Because you are the one who anointed me. You are the man who speaks the truth. You are the man whose word never fall to the ground. Please don't speak in public anything about me. Just stand by me. We don't like truth. Because truth exposes who we are. Exposes who we are. And reveals who really are. But God is not putting makeup on us. He is creating absolutely new man. He's not patching up the old man. He has created a new man and he's building the new man and he will not hide the old man. He's creating a new man. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 21, scripture says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. You know the truth. And no lie is of the truth. You are born of truth. You know the truth. And God says, I will not allow lie to dwell in your life. Because if you do not love 
truth. If you and I do not love truth, how can I live all of eternity with the very person of truth? Imagine. When we have these young boys getting married and counseling and all that, I, one of the things I constantly tell the young boys is, you know what, you guys are going to get married in six months' time. Okay, I know you're used to not washing your socks and etc, etc. You're going to get married to a girl who's probably very finicky about all these things. Please change. Please. Why? You're going to live with somebody who loves you but doesn't like your uncleanness. If I don't love truth and I don't like truth, how am I going to live with truth? All of eternity. It is true, Lord. Come just as I am, but you cannot stay as you are. Revelation 21 says, the end of the Bible, Revelation 21 says, the cowardly, the but, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, leave them all. A too big character. And all, those who did not receive truth, what are they? Where are they? Outside of truth. They're outside. Because they didn't receive the truth. On the last day, judgment day, the very truth you and I rejected will suddenly stand up and speak against us. Truth will have a voice. If it is not been confessed, repented, and under the blood, that's why we sang about the blood today. Oh Lord, we think we understand what the blood is doing. We have no clue that day we will say, Lord, thank you for the blood. Nothing is revealed. Everything is gone. We have no clue what the blood does. Because blood is the only thing God has given to us to cover us. You confess, you repent, my spirit will change you and the blood covers your past. There is no record. Absolutely no record. John 12 and verse 48, Jesus says, He who rejects me does not and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. On that day, he says, this very word, which is the truth, which you rejected, will judge you that day. That's why we've been given this, and we've been given his spirit. And we go through this, we allow that to judge us and change according to Christ. Don't trust your feelings. Don't trust your feelings. Don't feel you are worthy. Don't feel you are going to heaven. You need to know that you are going to heaven. Need to know. Matthew 11 and verse 6. This is what Jesus said. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. When I go to these mission places, one of the first things I tell them is, first I tell them, you know what? You don't know me, I don't know you. Next time I say, you know me a little, I don't know you. Don't get offended because of the word. Because many things which I preach, you may think your pastor told me about you. I don't even know your pastor. It is just the word. And it's just the truth. Cutting you. It cuts me. It cuts you. It's just the word doing its work. So don't get offended. He says, blessed is the man. Oh, blessed is the woman. Blessed is the child who is not offended by the word of God. Because it can save you. 
That's the only thing that can save you the truth. Don't get offended. If you get mad at the truth, go home and get mad at yourself and change. Don't get mad at the word. Don't get offended by Christ, by his word, by his truth. Because you can carry it. Because you're not allowing the word to do its work. Cain was mad. Even after God did not judge him for his brother's murder. Murder should be by death penalty. He says, okay, I'll put a mark on you and you go. It's all. I'm not killing you now. You know his response in Genesis chapter 4? And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. You see? Truth hasn't worked in him. He's objective. He has forgotten his act of murder. And he's saying, your punishment. I don't like your punishment. That's how children behave. Did you steal? Yes. Time out. We have at LHL many cases like that. Okay. No, sorry. Nothing. They're still watching. One hour time out. One hour I will hold on. See truth. From That's what David says. We are shaped in iniquity. We don't like truth. It is my truth. If you were to ask a child and have an interrogation, she will say, well, you kept it open. You kept it where I could reach. You kept it where it was visible. And the lid also was a little loose. I could open and I could... And also it was a lid where my hand could go in. So you are responsible. Who told this? Adam. Who's repeating is his granddaughter. Always. But punishment is too much... For me to bear. What about your son or your brother? To God say your brother's blood is crying out from the ground. He's dead without a legacy, without a generation. And you're talking about your punishment? Understand, subjective people will not change. They look at the look at the consequences of their action and they will say the consequences I don't like. Meaning if you don't learn from the consequences of your action, you will repeat it. You will repeat it. Because truth has not got you inside for you to change. And you go in that same spiral, same spiral, like the children of Israel, circle going around, because truth is not going in and changing them. Elijah was angry. He was upset. You know that in First Kings chapter 19, when he saw that, he arose, ran for his life, went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came, sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. What did he pray? Angry prophet. Right? I want to die. He's still alive. Poor fellow, hasn't, prayer hasn't been answered now for three, four thousand years. I want to die. I'm no better than my father's. Depressed, discouraged, angry. As if God is at fault. I anointed you. I gave you an anointing to kill all the prophets of Baal. You ran faster than Ahab's chariot. You reached Jezebel's gate. My anointing was, you should have gone and killed her. Instead you stand over there thinking she would give you a tofa and now you are running for your life and you are mad at me, not finishing your work. You see, people get angry because they become very subjective. Even Moses, what about our wonderful, awesome, humble Moses? Do you know Moses was mad? Deuteronomy chapter 1. 
Verse 27. Yeah, I didn't give you. The Lord was also angry with me for your sake, saying, even you shall not go in there. Let's hold that and let's go to the next verse, okay? Let's tackle Mr. Moses. Moses, this is not fair. You're blaming God and the people. Numbers 20, verse 12. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron because you did not believe me. He never mentioned about the people. Did you see? You did not believe me. You did not honor me. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly and enter. 30 years later, he is saying because of you. Because of one area in his life, he is still not able to receive the truth. I was disqualified from entering the promised land, not because of my mistake, but because of your mistake. You see how it passes on? That here is a God who wants to deliver and set us free. And he says, freedom will only come when you receive the truth. And when you receive the truth of you, said, yes, Lord, you are free. You are free. You are set free. So even mighty men of God were not exempt from this truth. Remember, it's not subjective. The question is, can you handle truth? That's why God loved David. God loved David because not David was this incredibly great man like the others. Not actually was an absolutely fallen man. But he loved God and God loved him because he always received the truth about himself. All the examples later, Nathan said, who is that man? He says, you are that man. You are that man. And he says, I am that man. It's absolutely right. I am that man. I am that man. And I deserve that. I am that man. Remember, so many cases, one we will look, after he wanted to build the temple, Nathan said, go and do your heart's desire, O king. And then the king, God comes and tells Nathan, go and tell him, you are not the one who is going to build the temple. His response in First Chronicles, King David went in, sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? Who am I? You think about it. If you actually have progressed in this world, prospered in this world, and reached a very high position with power and money and everything, all these successes, do people go and sit before God like this and say, Who am I? Who am I? That you brought me thus far. And yet this was a small thing in your sight of God. You have also spoken about your servant's house for a great while to come. And have regarded me according to the rank of a man of high degree, O Lord God. Look at what he's actually saying. Lord, technically speaking, subjective truth is, I am the man of the highest degree in this country. There's nobody higher than me. Yet, you're talking to me as if I am a big man. I am not a big man, Lord. I am a small man before you. Who am I? Who am I, Lord? Success never went into his head. He always knew who he was and who God was. Therefore, God says, you know what? That man could handle truth. Because today we are living in a very, very subjective world. An era of unbelievable human technological progress. So we see, we hear, we read, we feel, and we make our own judgments. In the church, 
When a church, I'm not saying this church or any church, church generally. The word is no longer the standard. Christ and the cross is no longer the standard. And instead the Holy Spirit is used to feed the feelings of people and not to lead them to truth. Not to lead them to truth. When Paul talks about the last days, we have read it many times. Let's read it today again in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 to 4. I know in that in this that in the last days perilous times will come. I wish I could do the jadu which Pastor Vijay does. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, what's Unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despise of God, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Okay. Lover of God has to be lover of Christ. And lover of Christ has to be a lover of truth. But when you are a lover of yourself and a lover of money and a lover of pleasure, these are all variables. These are all subjective. You are not a lover of God. You are not a lover of Christ. You are not a lover of the truth. Therefore, what happens to this generation? It's not talking about people in the world. It's talking about the people in the church. In verse 7, scripture says, same passage says, always learning. Always. Always in church. Always listening to the messages. Always taking the notes. But never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? They have no constant. They love themselves. They love money. They love pleasure. They don't actually love God. They don't love the constant in their life. Therefore, they are forever learning. They are not able to come to the truth. And only the truth sets you free. And in the last days, Mr. and Mrs. Subjective has taken over the contemporary culture and even the church. So we need songs that makes us feel good about ourselves. How great we are and how much God loves us. We need messages that keeps us happy. We want fellowship that doesn't demand neither relationship nor sacrifice. I am okay. You are okay. And we never judge ourselves before communion. When the table was kept there to protect us, the same table ends us in judging us. Therefore, Paul says, many of you are weak, sick, and dead. Understand when the, the, the whole body becomes subjective. The objective standard that is Christ, the Bible has been quietly removed from the public square. Public. And then from the church, first from the public square and slowly from the pulpit. So from the pulpit, what you get, like I said earlier, is motivational messages, not truth. So as Mr. and Mrs. Subjective has acquired power, they can no longer coexist with Mr. Objective. Now listen carefully, okay? It's a little theory. Let me explain to you. Now Mr. Subjective demands that Mr. Objective abandon any standard of objective truth. 
because he, she finds it offensive. Are you get it? Earlier subjective and objective lived side by side. So there was a huge separation between the church and the world. But now because the subjective has entered into the church too, and now the subjective tells the objective truth, keep quiet. You cannot talk about these issues. Cannot talk. Because we find it offensive. Truth is offensive. You are a racist. You are a homophobe. You are against transgenders. You are against love. Because God said love your neighbor. And I am loving my neighbor by marrying somebody of my own sex. You don't love. I love. You don't. You are narrow. Shut your voice. You know what has happened? Subjective truth has taken over both the public square and the pulpit. It's no longer live and live, live. It is live. If you want to live, live like me. So therefore what? Engaging the temperature of the room. Thermometer is useless. I don't care what the thermometer says. The temperature is 27. It will be 27. And if you think it is 29, get out. It will be 27. This is my space. That's what's happening. And that's ultimately what will happen when the end comes. Remember the end of Sodom and Gomorrah? You step away from the door. Otherwise, we will do to you what we plan to do to these men. Step aside. We don't want to hear your truth. We don't realize the world is heading fast towards that point and we are all worried about such silly things without realizing truth has fallen in the street. Therefore, there is confusion in the society. Gender confusion, every kind of confusion. You have to see what's happening in the world, the Western world especially. That's the so-called Christian world. It's according to your feelings. You have to address somebody. Imagine tomorrow morning, Pastor Vijay and I meet almost five days a week in the morning. Tomorrow morning, Vijay, let us, Pastor Vijay is not here. Pastor Vijay, apologize to, I apologize in advance when you listen in the evening. Okay, let's imagine he is gender confused. Tomorrow morning, he comes to me to meet and says, I says, hi Vijay. And he says, Pastor, don't call me Vijay. I feel like Vijay Amma today. That's, I think that's my gender today. And I look, I have to be politically correct now because the pressure is on me from every side. It's because in America, if you call somebody against their gender, you can go to jail in many states. You can lose your position in the university. You can be chucked out of class. If you have to call them by what gender they feel that day. Because what is happening? Everything is subjective. So I said, okay, Vijayama. Next day he comes and, hi, and I'm stopping. Should I call him Vijay or Vijayama? He says, uh, I feel like a boy today. Okay, Vijay Bala, how are you? Did you see when truth becomes subjective? Truth becomes subjective. Now we don't realize, we don't realize we are guilty of the same sin. Now we don't do that. The thing is that, what will I wear to office today? I feel like wearing that jeans and a t-shirt. Gender confusion. And you don't realize you are played the same part which resulted in what's happening in the world. You too are part of the same chain. Or today I feel like a lady. I'm going to wear my long dress. Yesterday you didn't feel like one. But you are a lady, right? 
So yesterday you were a man and today you are a lady. So you are also gender confused after sitting in the church all these years. So we don't realize we are part of the same process. That's why, Lord, delay the judgment day, Lord, let us repent. Let me tell you real life, real life funny examples. A 50-year-old, how many doctors here today? Any doctors? Pastor Richard, the Dr. Richard is there, no other doctors? Okay, it's interesting. Okay. Children, you won't understand some of these things. I don't know, I think you understand certain things in the world better than me. I don't put anything outside anybody today. They are knowledgeable in everything except truth. A 50 plus year old plus 50 plus patient who was a biological man who has been living as a woman goes to a doctor for a checkup, annual general checkup. At the hospital, he asked for a mammogram. The reason is when women cross their 50s, they always ask them to go through a mammogram because one of the very Easily detectable and avoidable disease is breast cancer. If you know, Billy Graham's daughter was diagnosed with breast cancer and she just came last week through a successful breast cancer surgery. If it can be detected early, it can be cured, treated. Okay, So he asked for a mammogram. The doctor looked at this he, she and you have to address he, have she. Okay, So he said... Uh, Madam, I would recommend that you have a prostate checkup. Because men who are above 50, if one of the common things they get is prostate cancer. The he, she is offended and walks off because she didn't get her mammogram. When she doesn't need a mammogram. Because the doctor suggested prostate checkup. So she will deny the actual truth even at the risk of death. Do you see how foolish this has become? The world hasn't seen. world hasn't seen. And one of the worst states in the world is states like California. Absolutely blue. Where they are doing experiments on children. Where children can have sex change operations if they feel like it without parental consent. Many, many parts of the world is going that way. You know what? When you remove that standard, truth falls on the ground. I'm telling you, the truth never fell in the street in the world. Because the world never had the truth. The truth fell in the church. Because he said, you are the light of the world. Are you understanding how you will be able to risk even your life for a lie? Second case. Real case studies, okay? Young woman. It's not an older woman. Young woman. I didn't say old woman. I said older. Okay? You have to be very sensitive these days. 50 is only older. You're not old. You're older. Older than the young woman. Have I ruffled enough feathers? Okay. (laughs) A young woman struggles with an eating disorder. She's underweight for her height and her frame. She's terribly underweight. 
But the problem is, when she looks into her mirror, she looks, she thinks she is overweight. She is not thin enough. So she starves. She doesn't eat. And if she eats, she throws up. The doctor says, you are underweight. You need to eat. But because she believes what she sees with her eyes and not the truth, she refuses. She refuses. No, I'm overweight. I'm telling you honestly. You need to know your height. You need to know your weight. But that's not how people look at weight today. They look at the person on the screen, the people on the street and says, oh, I am overweight. So what is your, what is your truth? Even science is not your truth. Culture is your truth. Do you see how far away from the truth we are? Even in making our daily choices? That's why Jesus says when truth is fallen on the ground, everything stands still. Do we see the implications? You and I, we are being shaped by the culture. Or are we being shaped by Christ? Who said, I am the truth. By his word, which says, my word is the truth. By his spirit, which says, when the spirit comes, he will lead you to all truth. That's why Pilate asked the question, what is truth? Because truth has literally... Life and death consequences. Truth demands an answer. The right answer. Our very lives depend on it. So the question you ask today is, am I shaped by culture? Or am I shaped by truth? That's why I asked you first thing. Did you listen to the Venice message? Why? Because today you have all the gadgets. You can click it in. Do whatever. That's what I do. Tomorrow morning, by 8 in the office I am. By the time it's 9.30, if it is one and a half hours, I have made my office shine. Sweep, swab, polish, dust. Why? Listening to what I preached while I do my chores. Thursday mornings, Monday morning is cleaning day. One and a half hours always. You can. can. But you chose not to because you are shaped by culture and not willing to be shaped by God's word. What are we shaped by? What are we shaped by? And the problem is you cannot take this in constantly without it being washed out by the word of God. Because all news is just opinion. There is no truth in news anymore. There is no truth in news anymore. There is no truth. Nobody even looks. They are looking at their ratings. How many viewership? So they want sensation all the time. I was telling our elder son because I was telling him, you know, son, I like Denzel Washington. I think he's a fantastic actor. But the problem is when Hollywood makes some unbelievably good movies, they put in scenes and words which cannot be used, listened to or watched. I wish I could tell some of my kids, watch this 
What a stunning movie. It turns you from inside because of the truth that is portrayed over it. But the problem is they have to bring nudity, they have to bring sex and absolutely foul language to sell it. But the actual truth is if you take this nudity and these wild scenes and these foul words, you will have a bigger audience than what you actually get because the movie is so good. It's not being sold because of these scenes. Actually, these scenes restrict a huge number of people who will not go because of these scenes. But why do you put it in? Because they are shaping your culture and your mind. Always, this movie is so good. So good, so powerful, so like stunning. It can stand on its own. Do you think the director who wants to make money, the producer who makes money, doesn't know it? Why does he add this? Simply to sell it and shape your mind and your culture. That is why by mistake, when you are in the presence of elders, these words come out of your mouth because you are listening. These are not accidents. These are God's incidents to reveal to the elders. You are watching and listening to this. That's why these words come. Desensitizing our conscience and our minds to sin and the sinful ways of the world. So they sell an incredible piece of entertainment, unbelievable, by adding this masala. The masala doesn't go. It stays. So be careful. Are we shaped by truth? Are we shaped by culture? That's why the first demand of Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, he says, the first demand is this, many other words. He testified and exhorted them saying, be, after being saved from your sin, repent and believe. Be saved from this perverse generation. Come out. Today, that's a very, very sensitive thing to be spoken in church because nobody wants to come out. And you come out, flash itself in your relative truth, but I am going out to save them. Let me ask you this question. In these nine months, did you save one person? By going into the world? One person? Were you able to witness? One person you were able to bring from darkness into light? One person to stand before and say, this is the truth that I believe in. Were you able to say one person? No. Because deep inside you know, I have a compromise. So I cannot speak the truth. I just have to remain quiet. Well, Joseph could stand. And Daniel could stand. These men could stand in the world and stand apart from the world. And be in the world. And they had a testimony and they had a witness. Understand? The first call is to come out. Often man, they're talking about Christians, reject truth, not because he believes it is false, but because he knows it is truth. He rejects it because it's not of the truth. He rejects it because he thinks it is not profitable in this life. My career will suffer. We, my, I may not be able to pay all my bills. I may lose my job. In the process, as God said through his prophet Isaiah, And I said 59 verse 14. Truth has fallen in the street. If we reject the truth of God, we'll end up with whatever we believe. 
In Matthew 9 and verse 29, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, He touched their eyes saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. When I talk to pastors, when I teach them, one of the things I tell them is, we have detached faith as a separate entity and not connecting it to truth. Faith comes from? Loudly. Faith comes from? And hearing from the? And the word of God is? So is faith truth? Is your faith true? Or have you used faith only as a channel to receive something from God and refused faith to define how you live? Because he says the just shall live by faith. And if the just shall live by faith, faith is truth. But all the preachers, sensational preachers, they have changed faith into an object by which I can receive what I want, my feelings want from God without allowing that faith to define how I live. When God says three times in the new covenant, my just shall live by faith. And Jesus says, let's take this faith and put it over truth. According to your truth. Let it be to you. Ultimately, when we all stand before God, we will stand as we really are, as our lives were defined by truth. That's how we will stand, not like this. How we are. Faith is not something that just takes from God. Yes, that's one part of faith. They believed, they touched, they were healed, they received. That's only a minor part. Bartimaeus received his eyes. What do you want? I want to see. Jesus said, see. And scripture says, he followed Jesus on the way after that. He didn't go back to where he was. He had received faith and he understood faith was more than seeing. It is seeing the truth and he followed truth into Jerusalem. Do we see like Bartimaeus? Because that's what Romans 1.17 says, the just shall live by faith. That's why Solomon counsels in Proverbs 23 and verse 23. He says, by truth, do not sell it. Don't sell it. Don't sell truth. You will have to buy truth because it will cost you in this life to acquire truth. It doesn't come free. Buy it. And he says, don't sell it in the streets. Buy it. Where are we going when we die? Where am I going when I die? Where are you going when we die? Where do you want to go when you die? How will I dwell with Jesus in that city? Right? In Revelation 22, the final, almost last verses of Revelation. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life. Blessed are those who do his truth. Because David will say in Psalm 119, your word is truth and your law is truth and I love it. Blessed are those. What happens? The more truth in you, the more access to you and me to life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. More access, not only now, all of eternity. So the journey begins now. We'll be continuing in eternity. Access to the tree of life because we are growing in truth. And outside are, forget all these people, and practices, a lie. The practice lie. Their life is a lie. Not says lies. Their whole life has become a lie. It's a whole lie. You look at King Saul 
You will never request. This man has become a lie. There is no Holy Spirit upon him. Holy Spirit has left. There is a crown on him. He is sitting on the throne. His heart is after David. He wants to kill David. He wants to finish him off. He's angry. He's murderous. Yet he goes very religious. He's not lying. He has become a lie. That's what Jesus says. We end up becoming what we worship. You worship truth, you will become true. You worship a lie, you will become a lie. God says salvation. Salvation is a big, big thing. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because of truth. Do you want to live in the city? We talk about the city, we talk about rapture. But what is this city? Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 3 talks about this city. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called. What is it called? The city of truth. Shall be called. It's not my truth, your truth. He is the truth. Because truth in man comes in response to God's truth. It is God's truth that gives light. Truth comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. I'm using truth instead of faith. Because when we have, when we use faith, we all feel good. I have faith, you have faith, I am okay, you are okay. When we use truth, everybody trembles. Truth comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Truth comes from the Holy Spirit working in us. Truth comes from only from God. Cannot come from me. And you only from God. But the truth is, even though we were sinful, we do not have to remain in sin. That's the truth. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. In Romans 6 verse 17 and 18 scripture says, Yes, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, how did I become a slave of sin? By becoming a slave of lies. Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became what? Slaves of righteousness. Not religious people. Not religious people. Slaves of righteousness. You were delivered because you obeyed the truth. When the word came and you were taught, this is what Christ is, this is what Christ will do in you, you obeyed. And you became slaves. Not of sin anymore, but slaves of righteousness. That's why Jesus said, Lord, sanctify them by your word. Thy word is truth. As a wind up for today, next five, ten minutes, okay, wind up for today. I was discussing with Pastor Vijay. We have interesting discussions every day. I was telling him about the story of Jacob. Do you know the story of Jacob? 20 years later when he comes back, he has this encounter with that angel of the Lord, which is Jesus. Till early morning he's contending with this angel. Then early in the morning the angel says, let me go. Let's start there. He said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Let me go. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what's your name? He said, 
Jacob. Now we have looked at this in the context of what he told his father. Okay, you're all theologically very, very sound. You know stuff most Christians don't know. But forget that. We are looking at another part of it. He asked, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Let me ask you this question. Okay, continue. And then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is that? You ask me about my name. You're asking me my name. And he blessed him. So let's imagine this is Jacob and I'm the angel. And we've been content. And he's saying, I'm saying, let me go. And he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And ask him, what's your name? And he says, my name is Jacob. And Christ is saying, I cannot bless Jacob. Jacob is never blessed. Jacob can be blessed only materially. Only Israel can be blessed. Who is Israel? Israel is not Jacob. Israel is Christ. There's only one who contended with God and contended with man, who overcame with God and overcame man. That is not Jacob. That is Israel. That is Jesus Christ. You need to understand what it means in Matthew. Scripture talks about that. When he arose, he took the young child, his mother by night, departed from Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt I call my son. The son who came out of Egypt, Israel who came out of Egypt, is not Israel, it is Christ. Christ never saw Israel, he only saw Christ. Christ didn't see Jacob, he saw Israel in him, and Israel in him is Christ. And did I, did I give you Hosea? Did I give you? Hosea 11.1 When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. What does God tell Moses to go tell the Pharaoh in Exodus 4.22? Israel is mine. My first, is Israel God's firstborn or is Jesus God's firstborn? Do you understand what God is saying in Ephesians 1, 3 says, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. God will never bless Hephzibah. He will not bless Anne. He will not bless Hannah. He will not bless, he will not bless any one of us with spiritual blessings, the real blessings. He has already blessed the Christ in you. And you want that blessings, you have to die and he has to live. Instead, we are like, Lord, please bless Jacob. Please bless Jacob. God says, I cannot bless him. All that you need, Jacob, I already given. And that is not going to take you anywhere. Are you miserable, Jacob? Yes, I am. So he understands. God is not going to bless James. He is only going to bless the Christ in me. But for Christ in me to be blessed, I need to die. That is the truth. When we realize the truth, we realize, okay, I don't want that blessing. I want to live. I'm content with my blessings. I don't want any more blessings. Why do you think people detach and withdraw from Christ? Because all those who have understood the truth realize, this is the truth. Jacob has to die if Israel has to live. I don't want to die. I'm not ready to die. Even last week, to a person who's seriously ill, very, very ill, I wrote to that person by saying, you know, you still don't have to die. Scripture says, the book of Psalms, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Do you know what that person wrote back to me? I still am not ready to make that commitment. You still want to love. Still want to love. Terminal case. 
I'm telling you, I don't change the truth for you. I don't change the truth for somebody in the ICU. I don't change. Because like I was telling Vijay, Vijay, you know what we are. We both are postmen. What are we? Postmen. Somebody wrote, let us say, Moses, uh, Moses, right? Moses wrote a letter to Peter. It was given to me, the postman, and I am going to deliver. On the way, I opened the letter. and I looked. All right. Moses is very angry with Peter. I changed the letter. And I give it to Peter. Peter reads the letter and says, Moses loves me, this I know. Now let me tell you, who wrote the letter? What is my job? To deliver it. That's our job. Preacher's job is to deliver the message and not to change the message. Because the message is not mine to change. I am a delivery boy. You can call me that if you want. God's delivery boy. Not to change the message. People are dying in the pews, not in the world, in the pews. Because the delivery men have changed the message. Prophets never changed the message. The apostles never changed the message. They loved the people so much they knew. The only thing that could save them was the message. And they died because of the message. People got so mad with the postmen, they killed them. The question is, every blessing. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Which is true. If you look at if Hepsiba is a true child of God and God looks at her and says she's blessed. And she can never be defeated. Even death has been overcome. Is it true about Hepsiba? No, it's true about the Christ in her. Christ can never be defeated. He always walks in triumph. He never knows lack. Christ never knows sickness. Christ never knows defeat. Christ doesn't die. If I were to tell all that at Hepzibah, Hepzibah will say it is not true about me, which is absolutely right. It's not true about you. It's true about the Christ in you. Instead, what do we want? We want the blessings of Jacob, so that blessings of God, so that Jacob can indulge. That's why Jacob asks, what's your name? And God says, dude, we two are the same. Dude, your name is my name. Why are you asking me my name? Right? The wife has a different name or the husband's name? Mrs. Elsa James, right? Right? It's a different name? No! Same name! You forgot what our baptism means. So as I close... We have only one solution. As I close, doesn't mean I close in one minute, okay? You know my close. It's like forever and ever. There's only one solution. There is no two solutions. God is always one solution. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9 and 12. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders. Lying wonders. What's a lying wonder? It's a wonder. But it's a lying wonder. Because this lying wonder doesn't lead you to the truth and to liberty. It leads you to more and more into lies and into bondage. Into bondage. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not love the, receive the 
love of truth. That is one thing you should ask our Lord. Please give me the love of truth. Truth about me and truth about you. That's all. Not truth about others. I don't want to. I'm not a detective. I don't want to know other people's truth. I want to know the truth about myself and the truth about you. Because if I see myself and I see you, I need. I will know where I need to change to become like you. They did not receive the love of truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in righteousness. You see truth and lie coming over. Let me ask you practically how this has happened. How does it? How did it happen to Israel? It's the same way it happens with church. There's no difference. Israel's history is given to us so that we learn. Look at... Uh, Second Chronicles 18 and verse 22. Remember Ahab and Jehoshaphat? Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Do you get the picture? Jehoshaphat is sitting. Ahab is sitting. 400 prophets are speaking with the same lying spirit. And what did they prophesy? What did they prophesy? Disaster. But let me ask you this question. Did the prophet say disaster? No. What they say? Law, king, you are going to win like this. You are going to overcome. But was it that actually what? He put a lying spirit. Because Ahab never loved truth. God allowed false prophets to speak into his life. If you don't love truth, you will get false pastors, false apostles, false prophets, false miracle workers who will speak into your life. Things will happen in your life, but you are going further and further and further away from truth because you did not receive the love of truth. Be careful. It's consistent in the Bible. Consistent in the Bible. You will not even know you are deceived because you are not being deceived by yourself. You are being deceived through preachers. He gave them over to a lie because they did not receive the love of truth. In Ezekiel 13 and verse 6 and 7, they have envisioned or seen futility and false divination. Thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them. Yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. He said, I didn't send these people. And all is through divination. They're prophesying. They're saying this thing, this thing. I I have no issues with prophecy as long as it strengthens people and corrects people. But if somebody is absolutely carnal and worldly and not walking with God and you come and prophesy these things to them, that's not the heart of God. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is very clearly revealed. Whom God loves, he chastises. Chastises. That's not how, that's not how God, God understands the times that are coming are going to be even more difficult than ever before and He's preparing His bride to withstand this temptation and this worldly pressure. That's how the great falling away will take place. Every victory you and I have in our life, every blessing you and I have in our life must be because of truth and truth alone. Because a defeat because of a lie is better than a victory because of a lie. Did you get it? 
These are all originals, okay? Whenever, I don't know how my people know my original. I preach on Wednesday, and then I look at some of those ones who listen. I don't know they listen, but I know when they check their profile. And I think that WhatsApp profile, I erase it. That one line which was mine has become their profile. And it is original. So let me tell you this. It's better you have a defeat because of a lie than a victory because of a lie. Because otherwise you would not know you are living a lie. Jonah heard. He knew what the truth was. God said, go to Nineveh. He went down to Tarsus. As soon as he reached Tarsus, he reached the port. Wow, I wanted to go to Tarsus. And the boat is one boat, one ship. Where is it going? To Tarsus. And is there any 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 birth vacant? And there is one birth vacant. And where is that birth? Down. Do I have the, what is the price? The boat is there. The birth is there. The money is there. And you think, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. You don't know. You're going to your death. Whether to be defeated because of a lie than to have victory because of a lie. That's God. Joshua, come on! 3,000 people get beaten. Around 32 people die. All because one man, without the knowledge of the rest of Israel, one man took a bar of gold and one Babylonian garment. God allowed 33 to die because it's better that you defeated because of a lie than have a victory and the lie is hidden because this one man will become 10 men and 10 will become 100 men. 100 will become 1,000. Sin and lie will multiply. All it takes you, all it takes A ship to sink is one hole. Just a matter of time. All it takes to destroy you in eternity is one unattended sin. To take you down. Just a matter of time. You ask Moses, did you deal with all the issues of my life? Yes. Is there any issue left unattended? Yes. What was that? My temper. What kept you out? My temper. I said, did you deal with all the issues of life? Yes, sir, I did. Is Did you deal one, this thing which you left unattended in your life? Yes, what, I had an eating disorder. And what took you down? My eating disorder. It's all it takes. Because we are running, a, we are not talking about salvation here, we are running a race. That's what Paul's saying. After having preached, oh Lord, I don't want to be disqualified. Therefore, I beat my body and bring it to the subjection of the truth and not of feelings. The truth. 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 That's how God. Now we are coming to the end. Almost coming to the end. (laughs) Do you remember Rabba? How many remember Rabba? You don't know Rabba or Abba? You don't know. Okay. Second Samuel chapter 11 verse 1. Everybody should remember second chapter 11. What happens in second Samuel chapter 11? David falls and what a fall it was. Remember? Lady was famous for her bath, Bathsheba. 
That's where it happens. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go to war to battle. David sent Job and his servants with him and all Israel. They destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at? Besiege means they laid siege at Rabbah. David didn't go. Rest of the narrative we know. David went, he was sleepless, he went up to his terrace and he looked. And he saw a woman bathing, he kept on looking. Then he called his servants, asked, who is that lady? That's Bethsheba, the wife of your servant Uriah. Bring her and history changed. History of Israel, history of this world, history of everything changed with that one move. Literally, because this was man's chosen king out of whom King Jesus would come. She's pregnant. She comes and tells a month later, or maybe I am pregnant. He calls Uriah. He cries every kind of deception. Uriah doesn't fall into that. He's a truthful man. He writes a letter, which is the death certificate. He takes the death certificate and he goes. Job sends him into the place where the thickest battle is. Uriah is dead. He gets a report. Uriah is dead. He is very flippant about the truth and says in the battle, one dies like the other. All these things are stacked against David. Now, she's had the baby, probably had the baby, and he took the, the, the widow, he married her, she's had the baby, and Nathan comes. Gives a nice little story about truth and lie, righteousness, unrighteousness. Very innocent. He says, who is that man? Nathan says, you are that man. So, path of restoration. Then scripture says, that baby fall ill, fell ill. So let us presume the time from here to have that baby nine months. Right? Let's put another three or four months more. One year. Because scripture says the child doesn't say the baby was struck ill. The baby is ill. He fasts. He prays. God doesn't answer. The baby is dead. He rises up. Makes restoration, everything with God. And you know, let's have from verse 26. Now Job fought against Rabbah of the people of Ammon and took the royal city. And Job sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah. I have taken the city's water supply. Now therefore gather the rest of the people together and camp against the city. Take it lest I take the city and it may be called after my name. So David gathered all the people together, went to Rabbah, fought against it, took it. And then he took the king's crown from his head. Its weight was a talent of gold with precious stones. It was set on David's head. So he brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance. Did you get the narrative? No. So he saw, he fell. On the other side, Job is fighting. He won over Ammon. Rabbi is besieged. The battle is going for one week, two weeks, one month, two months, three months, six months, nine months, ten months, eleven months. 12 months, no victory. Why? Because before the king can have physical victory over his enemy, he first needs to win over sin here. The minute he wins over sin and is right with God, scripture says, Rabbah was taken. And he comes back with a crown on his head. You know what? God doesn't deal with the world and his children the same way. When you have won over sin over here, your blessings will come. You'll be crowned. Doesn't deal with us the way he deals with the world. Because we are sons and daughters. We are not illegitimate. We are sons and daughters. 
hundreds, probably thousands of soldiers are contending, waiting, 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 battling, waiting, battling, waiting, battling. The city is not falling. All of us. What is God waiting for? God of this armies of Israel, what is he waiting for? He's not looking at them fighting. He's looking at this one man. You are my man. You put your life right, I will give you victory over there. The minute he has put things over here, Job is sending the message after 12 months. He says, king come, the city is about to fall. I want you here. Why? Because if the city falls now, the city will always return in the name and also Israel's history. Job took Rabbah. That's not my honor. It's your honor. Come here and it will be written. David overcome Rabbah. It will be another man. It's not my victory. It's your victory. It's your victory, not my victory. Children, let me tell you, in the kingdom of God, battles are won on your knees. One on your knees. One on on one with God. It's not one any other way. And we should have the courage like David to say, Lord, I know you search for truth in the inward parts. Make me like you. Don't make me better. Don't even make me the best man on earth. Because even the best man on earth is not like you. Make me like you. Just make me like you. Whatever price it is, I'm willing to pay. I'm willing to pay. I'm willing to pay the price. Because it comes at a price. Buy truth. Buy truth. Don't sell it. It's a man who sold truth, who is telling us last day's advice. What is that? Buy truth. Ajay, buy truth. Don't sell it. You sold it by sleeping. Now buy it back. Okay? Pitrana will teach you what you forgot, what you didn't hear. Buy truth. Don't sell it. Shall we stand? Father, we just come to you, Lord. We just come, we just come to you by faith through that blood. And I pray, Father, once again, from the beginning of the word to now, almost two hours are over and your truth has dealt with all of us, starting with me. And We need to repent again, Lord. We repented before the word and now we need to repent again at the end of the word because your word is the truth. And your truth has to sanctify us. Cleanse us, Lord. Have mercy on us, O Lord, where we have fallen short of the truth you have revealed in our own lives. Have mercy. Have mercy, Lord. Cleanse us. Sanctify us. And strengthen us so that the areas in our life where the enemy has not given up, though we have contented with him at Rabbah like Job, And we have never overcome. I pray this week we will overcome. As we allow your truths to come in. And take reign in our lives. Those walls will crumble. Those demons will flow. We will fall and flee. And that besetting sin will be broken. And we will take the crown from the king of Rabbah. And we'd put it on the head of king of son of David and say, Lord, be enthroned in my life in one more place because you have overcome through me. It's not my honor. It is your honor. It is not my glory. It is your glory.
It is not I who fought. It is you who fought. It is you who gave the victory. Therefore the honor, the glory, the power belongs to you and you alone, O Lord. Come Lord Jesus, be enthroned in our lives. Come in glory to your city, O Lord. The city of truth. Come Lord. Come Lord Jesus, be enthroned. Years and years ago, Lord, when we started this church, you gave us that word on which it should be built. That Christ Jesus should have preeminence in all things. Reveal to us the areas in our lives where you still do not have preeminence, O Lord. So that, O Lord, you can come and take over. Because we are yours. All of us. Nothing left. All of us is yours, O Lord. Thank you, Father. By faith, believing we have been sanctified, we lift up holy hands. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we confess and we proclaim, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever, O Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.